Hello, Westside Family Church. It is so great to see you. Is this not beautiful weather? I am hoping, I am believing that that is the way it's going to be on into eternity. So great. Listen, a shout out to you here at Lenexa in our South Room and uh, Speedway and those of you who are watching online. And a real special shout out to those of you that this might be your first time with us, either here or online. We're super honored that you have chosen to be with us today. And we want you to walk out of here with an extra bounce in your step, with a little bit of hope that you may not had when you came in. I don't know if you uh, really captured all that was going on in this video, but this is pretty amazing stuff coming out of this church if you're not familiar with it. A recent Gallup poll has told us that, um, that anxiety and depression are at the highest levels they've been since the Great Recession of 2008. Also, marriages are in shambles due to this pandemic and uh, divorce is on the rise like never before. This cause of isolation for this last year is wreaking havoc in people's life and new kinds of evils are emerging in their life. And we know that the reporting of child abuse is way, way down. You say, oh, that's great. No, it's not great because we know what's going on. But because the kids are not in school, it's not being reported. And these kids have no advocate to come alongside and rescue them. And that's why I'm so proud of this church that we have an unbelievable counseling center and a care support structure that not only serves the people of the Westside family, but also the city of Kansas City, as well as even beyond, because now we not only do things in person, but we also do things online. And listen to this. This group of people that run the center under Connie's leadership Uh, They're getting ready to tackle a marriage initiative this summer of the likes I have never seen in my life. And we were going to fight for marriages as well as come alongside single folks and get them relationally healthy for the life that God has in store for them. You just hold on to your hat as they lead this initiative. Be Be on the lookout for it. It's going to come and it's going to be an invitation for all of you to join our efforts here at Westside and beyond to fight for our marriages and to fight for our singles and to fight for our families. Can I get an amen? Super, super exciting. And while I'm on my hobby horse, let me just tell you that, um, that we also have an initiative here, particularly if you're new, that is um, all about coming alongside and wrapping our arms around foster and adoptive families. We really believe in this. And we have a, an initiative, a ministry here called Network 127, led by Jen Decker. And uh, uh, they uh, do amazing things, not only for the, for the foster and adoptive families of Westside, but Kansas City and the country and now the world. And they have a, one of the things they do is a conference every year called RE, that is a, and it means real encouragement. And it's a, it's a boost in the arm for our foster and adoptive families all over the place who are exhausted and running out of steam. And they looked at canceling it because of Aunt Rona, and uh, that's called COVID. And, uh, and, and basically they said, nope, we're going to press in and we're going to do it online. Guess what? The attendance doubled over last year because they had the faith to put it online. We went from 18 states involved to 37 states involved. $15,000 of gifts are going out to encourage foster and adoptive families involved uh, in this experience. And it's not only gone to 37 states, but we have participants from Thailand, China, Australia, Canada, and Puerto Rico. And here's the testimony of just one foster mom from Mississippi. She said, this foster mama and possibly soon-to-be adoptive mama 
is encouraged to keep going, keep loving, and keep trusting. That's all coming out of the very foundation of this ministry who cares uh, uh, about people not only here but abroad. And that's the kind of church, if you decide to become a part of us, that's the kind of church that you're becoming a part of. And I just want to say it again. Thank you for your generosity. I mean, as a follower of Jesus, you give out of gratitude for what God has given to you. He gave it to you to begin with. So that's why you give. But I want you to know that when it comes to the counseling and care ministry and all that they're doing, as well as the foster and adoptive, uh, we, the leadership, have chosen for every dollar you give, we give a a portion of it to support these things. So you can tell your children and grandchildren, these are the kinds of things that you are investing in, that you believe in. And I just hope that just fills you up with joy to make that generosity just cause you to smile, uh, not only on the outside, but on the inside as well. Amen? Okay, so are you ready to dive into the word? We got some stuff to cover today, so let me say a prayer, and we'll jump right in. Father, today we are so grateful that you have left us your word for a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest is that you give us the story of Jesus that has radically changed many of our lives, and today we open up our hands, we open up our hearts to receive the invitation you have for us today, and I pray that your spirit would just be loose in this room, in the south room, and Speedway, and anywhere people are watching today. We pray this in the name of Jesus and in his authority. Amen. So Davion is a 15-year-old boy who's been in the foster care system all of his life. And over the last few years, uh, he was in a residential home for boys. And the longing of Davian's heart is to be a part of a forever family. But he knows that most parents want to adopt little babies. And every day that slips by that he is not chosen, his dream of becoming a part of such family slips away. He only has three years left before he ages out of the system and he'll be forever alone. The chances of anybody choosing him are slim to numb. And to what, make, what makes matters worse is Davion's last name is only. <laughs> I'm sure the irony has not escaped him. His last name tells his story. It's Davion only, all alone never chosen. So he tries to take matters into his own hands and he uses his birth certificate to try to find his biological mother and he does find her. He finds her mugshot online and turns out his mother has been in and out of prison all of her life, mostly through cocaine usage and he discovered that she died just two weeks before he found her. And the hopes of him being connected to the mother who brought him into the world, died in that prison on that day. And so Damien knows that it is desperate, that he's running out of time, and so in an attempt to maybe make himself more lovable to a mom and a dad, to make himself more acceptable, he loses 40 pounds. And he gets all A's in school, except in geometry, which I totally get. And then he's put in touch with an organization that helps people like Davion uh, to find moms and dads. 
and this organization doesn't have art galleries where they display beautiful works of art, but they have heart galleries where they display beautiful pictures of boys and girls who long to be in a forever family. And so Davian jumps in on it, and here is a picture of Davian in the heart gallery. He's got a smile on his face. He's on a beach throwing a basketball up in the air. His bio reads underneath this beautiful picture that um, his favorite subject is science and that he is going to grow up to be a police officer. His favorite food is Chinese. He enjoys football and basketball, and he loves watching the Cartoon Network. That's so cool, right? And then he also, on his own, approaches St. Mark's Baptist Church in his town and asks for an opportunity to present his case and to make his plea to the congregation there for someone to adopt him before he runs out of time. And so with a, uh, a donated suit that is way too big for him, he stands up in front of the congregation and he gives this speech. My name is Davion, and I've been in foster care since I was born. I know God hasn't given up on me, so I'm not giving up on me either. I'll take anyone, old or young, dad or mom, black, white, purple, I don't care, and I would be appreciative. I, the best that I could be. I want us to pause in this moment and hear the heart cry of this boy who is shouting out from his soul, I want to be chosen, I want to belong, I want to be a part of a forever family. And then I want you to imagine that your children are put in the place where they have to market themselves. To market themselves to a potential mom or dad. That they have to lose 40 pounds and get all A's in school and come without problems. Can you imagine your children being put in that position? Here's the point. The truth is, that every single one of us has a longing to be chosen, a longing to belong to a family. And this is the invitation that Jesus is extending to us today. We learn in our teachings that Jesus is starting a brand new family and he wants to take this family and wrap their arms around you and around me and around Davian. And he's shouting out that I will accept you as you are, and I won't give up on you. That this is a family that is going to look for the best in you and offer you real hope today and on into the future. And then Jesus shouts out, any takers, any takers. So today, we're going to continue in our journey into the life of Jesus through the words of Mark. And we find today Jesus in his second of his three-year ministry on earth. And this second year is called the year of popularity. In this whole year, crowds are gathering all around Jesus. Everywhere he goes, they're pushing in with the hopes of getting a glimpse of him. 
with the opportunity to take in his amazing teaching or maybe to spot him performing a miracle or even maybe possibly being healed by Jesus personally. The section we're looking at today is Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to chapter 6 and verse 29. And I hope that you're not only going to take in the teachings today that you receive, but that many of you are in a watching group through the Gospel of Mark or in our one app listening plan through Matthew, Luke, and John, and you're taking in the life of Jesus as we work our way to Resurrection Sunday because this section of the life of Jesus is exciting and it's moving very fast, moving very, very fast. And I hope today you came with a sense of anticipation of not only what you're going to learn but in anticipation how God wants to meet you in your point of pain. So let's dive in. We're going to discover very first, if you're taking notes, Westside app has them all available for you, is this. Jesus chooses the disciples to be in his family. Jesus chooses the disciples to be in his family. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted And they came to him. Look at that. Jesus called those he wanted. Oh, for the power of being chosen. You got to keep in mind, too, that Jesus didn't pick the bright and the best. The disciples were not the sharpest knife in the drawer, if you know what I mean. As a matter of fact, they didn't bring anything to the table like all A's in school to start or to launch this movement that over 2,000 years has now captured the hearts and lives of one-third of the entire world population. This was a ragamuffin band of guys, but it says Jesus wanted them. He wanted them. He could have picked anybody, but he wanted these guys. Ask Davian what hearing those words would do in the heart and the souls of these men. Here's the deal. Jesus identifies. Jesus, his own family, rejected him. We see this in verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3. This is what Jesus' family had to say about Jesus' ministry. Mark chapter 3 and verse 21. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. John's Gospel, a book just a couple over, says this about Jesus' brother's attitude toward Jesus. John 7, verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Back to Mark chapter 6 and verse 4 in the section that we're studying today, Jesus himself said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives and in his own home. Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected, to be abandoned, and to be betrayed by his own family. So Jesus can identify with the story and the hurt of Davion, and he can identify with your pain as well if you're an orphan or if you've experienced rejection from the members of your family or if you bring any pain, he identifies with that pain. Jesus takes this offer that he extended to the disciples, and now he's going to expand that offer. Write this down. Jesus chooses us to be in his family. He chooses us. He's expanding the offer. Mark chapter 3, verse 35. Just a few minutes later, Jesus declared, whoever 
does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Let me ask you a question. You can raise your hand if you like. I'm going to. If you consider yourself a whoever. Anybody in the category of whoever? You may not be a somebody, but are you a whoever? Jesus said, whoever is willing to believe in me and have faith in me, you can be a member of this new family. And you do not have to lose 40 pounds. You don't have to get all A's in school. You don't have to come without any problems. All you have to do is say yes to the invitation, to say yes to the will and to the plan of Jesus for your life. Now, crowds are gathering all around Jesus. And Jesus, in this section of Scripture, is going to tell three parables. He's going to perform one miracle, and he's going to heal four people as the second year of his life, the year of his ministry life, the year of popularity is going to come to an end. And what I want to do today, I just want to pick out one story and do a little deeper dive into the story that might give us insight into this invitation to become members of this new family. The story is found in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34. And I promise you, it's the kind of story that would bring tears to the eyes of Davion only. But before I tell you that story, I want to tell you a modern day story. Faith Comes by Hearing. Faith Comes by Hearing is the organization that we are partnering with to uh, do this one campaign that we're doing here at Westside Family Church. We're in week one, but not only Westside Family Church, but 150 churches and organizations have joined together in our city. But not only that, 21 international cities around the world are all on the same page leading up to the Resurrection Sunday, telling the story of Jesus in all these fantastic ways. Faith Comes by Hearing has been faithful over the years to create dramatized audio recordings in over 1,500 languages, which gives us the opportunity here in Kansas City to offer it up to many of our refugee churches, and we have 20 different languages in Kansas City who are joining us for this experience, right? So one of the languages that they have created an audio recording for is a group of people in the, uh, in the remote areas of Bolivia called the Quechua Indians, the Quechua Indian. They have never heard the word of God in their language before, never. They don't know who Jesus is. When the audio recording is delivered to them, this is the first time they have heard the word of God in their own heart language. And the response was amazing throughout all of the villages. You see, the alcohol is a huge problem amongst this group of people. And so there was a lot of abuse of families and a lot of broken homes. But when people were hearing the words of God and the life of Jesus, they were coming to know Jesus and they were becoming members of this new family. And basically, the men stopped beating their wives, to put it bluntly, and they were being restored to their families. And listen to this, not only a couple of people, but 100% entire villages amongst the Quechuans are coming to know Christ and beginning this new life together. And something that was happening that everybody took note of 
is that when the Quechuans heard the word of God in their own heart language, without question, they all began to weep and to sob. And Morgan Jackson was super curious as to why this phenomenon was taking place. And so he went over to the remote areas in Bolivia and began to visit the different villages. When he came to the first village, he said, "Uh, can you tell me what stories are they hearing that is causing these people to weep and sob? And the leaders of the village would say, oh, it's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And uh, confused, Morgan. He goes to the second village And the leaders are saying, oh, when people hear the words of God in their own heart language, they weep and sob. And Morgan said, well, what are the stories that they hear that's causing them to weep and sob? The second village says, oh, it's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And he's dumbfounded. He goes over the next few days to seven villages, and all of them say the same thing. The Quechuans are weeping and sobbing when they hear the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And so Morgan decides to probe a little deeper and ask, when they hear this story, what are the questions that they ask? And the leaders of the villages said, oh, when they hear the story of the woman with the issue of blood, they hold their hearts and they begin to sob and they say, My heart hurts. My heart hurts. Why is my heart hurting? Can I hear the story again? Can I hear the story again? So now what I want you to do is I want you to I want you to listen. I want you to watch the story of the woman's encounter with Jesus who has an issue with blood. And as you're watching it, see if you can detect why it is that it moved the Quechuan Indians, to sob. Take a look at this. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. 
So this woman has a, a problem, a chronic problem with her menstrual cycle. And it's something that has gone on for 12 solid years. And like many people with a chronic medical problem, she uh, emptied out her bank account trying to get this problem fixed. But there's more than just that. In this culture, particularly amongst the Jewish people, a woman with this kind of issue was considered unclean. She was considered unclean. Therefore, she was shunned. She was left out. She was alone, and her heart was broken. Why? Because anybody else who came in contact with her were also considered unclean. And so out of a place of desperation, she doesn't stand up in front of a congregation to make her plea for someone to adopt her. Rather, courageously, she gets on her hands and knees and works her way through the crowd so she might actually get close to Jesus. And the story tells us that when she gets close to Jesus, she's able to reach out and touch just the hem of his garment. And Jesus felt that the power had left him. He knew something had happened. And he turns around and he says, who touched me? And out of fear, the woman falls to her knees and she tells Jesus the whole story. So how might this move the Quechuans when they hear this story. Well, uh, Morgan continued to probe further and he discovered why this story so captured their hearts. It wasn't until 1965 that the country of Bolivia declared officially that the Quechuans had a soul. Before that, they were not considered human beings, but rather animals. And it was a crime to kill a Quechuan, but it wasn't considered a murder because the Quechuans are not human beings. They are animals. And so as a result, the Quechuan people for generations were shunned and isolated and dehumanized. Morgan also discovered something else about the Quechuan Indians and many of the other people groups who grow up learning through oral tradition only. A study has been done in India that shows that people who are illiterate, that is, they cannot read, and they learn completely through oral tradition, basically when a story is told, they enter into that story with the characters as though it is happening, not in the past, but in that moment. And if they identify with the particular character in the story without thinking, they become that character. And what's happening to that character is happening to them in that moment. So when they come to Mark chapter 5 and they're hearing the story in their own heart language, they identify with this woman in her isolation and in her separation and they enter into that story with her as though it is happening to them in that moment. So that when she touches Jesus, they're touching Jesus. And something very powerful is happening in their souls, in their spirit, in that moment. And then when Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? The Quechuan Indians are expecting Jesus to say, you stinking, dirty Indians, get your hands off of me. But instead, Jesus says, daughter, 
daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In that moment, the Catuans begin to weep and they begin to sob and they hone their hearts and say, why does my heart hurt? Why does my heart hurt? Why does my heart hurt? The reason their hearts hurt is because Jesus saw this woman as a human being and he healed her and invited her to be a member of his family. He called her daughter. He called her daughter. And in that moment, he freed her from her sufferings. Their hearts hurt because Jesus now, speaking in the Quechuan language, turns to them and offers them the same invitation. And they're overwhelmed. And now in this moment, Jesus is turning to you. And he's offering you and me the same invitation. So I invite you to enter into the story of the disciples and hear Jesus say, cheer up, I choose you. I invite you to enter into the story of the woman with the issue of blood and hear Jesus say, cheer up, I choose you. I invite you to enter into the story of Davion only and hear Jesus say, cheer up, I choose you. After Davian gave that speech at St. Mark's Baptist Church that day, his story went viral. (laughs) And over 10,000 people inquired about adopting him. (laughs) But the person who ultimately adopted him into his forever family was the long-standing caseworker that you saw in the photo fixing his tie before he gave the speech in front of the church. Her name is Carrie Long. And here's a picture of Damien with his forever family, which includes a brother, a sister, and he says, even a dog. Everybody who has a family has a dog. What I want you to do right now is I want everybody in the South Sanctuary, the North Sanctuary, Speedway, and online, wherever you're at, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you, like the Quechuan Indians, I want you to enter into Davian's story because it is your story. And I want, to, I want you to imagine that it is you. Go ahead and do it. Imagine that it's you standing in that church day, day giving a plea. But even before you begin your speech, Jesus stands up in the back of the room and he shouts out, I choose you. Come be a part of my family. You don't have to lose weight or get all A's in school or come without problems. I love you and I choose you just as you are. Later, the writer in Hebrews would tell us, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus is the one who makes people holy. Those who believe in Jesus, those who say yes, receive him and are the ones who are made holy. And when we believe, we become a member of Jesus' family. And he says that he's not ashamed to go out in public 
or even before his father and call you a brother or a sister. So with your, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, every one of you, if you don't mind, Jesus is extending an invitation for you to be a member of his family. But just like in adoption, you have to say yes. You have to sign on the dotted line. And maybe some of you, like me, have already done that. You don't need to do it again. But I have to tell you, I'm going to say a prayer right now. And uh, I say this a prayer like this every single day, not because I have to, but because I, I want to enter back into that moment in 1974 where he said yes to me. He said, I choose you, little snotty-nosed boy from Cleveland. I choose you to be a member of my family. But maybe for some of you, this will be your very first time. And for you, it is an inauguration. So I invite you to whisper this prayer to God right now. Dear God, I know you have not given up on me. So I'm not giving up on me either. I am asking you to adopt me into your family through my faith in Jesus. I know that I don't have to be my best to be accepted by you. I don't have to lose weight or get all A's in school. Through Jesus, you forgive me of my sins and accept me just as I am. Dear God, choose me now to be in your forever family. In Jesus' name. Now with your eyes still closed, if you're so led, I invite you to take your hands and palms up, just hold them before God. And I want you to hear God whisper these words in response back to you. There is none like you. No one can touch my heart like you do. I can search the world for all eternity long and find there is no one like you. I choose you. I love you just as you are. I sent my son to die for your sins. Welcome to the family. And all of God's people said,